Hey, thanks for joining us here today at Victory Church, where we invite people to belong before they believe. If you want to know more about who we are and what we do, or if any of our messages have impacted your life and you would like to partner with us in giving to this ministry, we invite you to do so by visiting our website at victory.church. Now, let's check out this week's message from our lead pastor, John Chesty. Well, happy Mother's Day, Victory Church. We're so excited that you're joining us today. I want to greet uh, the Edmond campus. Those of you watching online, we're honored that you're joining us online. So from, from no matter where you're watching from, we, we welcome you. And I want, to, I want us to take just a second and, and honor our moms. And before you, wait a second. I'm just kidding. Um, I'm going to be super selfish for a second. Can I be selfish for just a second? Uh, I'm not saying you're not as good of a mom, but to me, the best two moms in the room are here, and it's my mom, the mom who carried me for nine months. Mom, I love you, and uh, I love you so much. And then Michelle, who carried my two children. Uh, So I just wanted to, to, I'm not saying you have to clap for them, but I'm just being super selfish since I get to hold a microphone, and, and, and I love you guys. And I'm not going to make you stand up because my Michelle will be mad at me if I do that. So uh, now uh, I want to invite all the moms to stand. Can all the moms stand up? Awesome. Yeah, we can give them a hand. Let's honor the moms. Stay standing for just a second. Um, Edmund Campus, uh, all the moms there. If you're watching online, you should chat your mom's name. Just give her a shout out so everybody on the chat can, can uh, hear, hear you giving a shout out to your mom, whether your mom is still living. I know that sometimes Mother's Day can be difficult. And the reason I paused awkwardly there for a moment and people started clapping like, what is he doing? I really felt like the Lord prompted me um, in this moment for us to honor um, maybe women who were never moms. Uh, and and I know that's kind of a weird, heavy moment, but there's a lot of people watching online or in this room or at Edmond that, that long to be a mom and never had the chance to. Uh, but I can tell you one thing, they mothered in their own way. And I'm even thinking of, of Pastor Jackie. Pastor Jackie here at the Oklahoma City campus has never been a mother, but I know that she's mothered. She mothers us all. So Jackie, you should stand up too. And every, every other woman should stand up. Can we honor our moms one more time? Amen. All right, you can be seated. Um, I'm excited to to bring a word to you today um, in this series, Awake. I I want to awaken something in us, and I'm going to preach an odd message, an odd Mother's Day message, but I think if you'll hang with me, you'll see where I'm going. Um, You know, I know it's spring, I know it's May, I know April showers bring May flowers, but but I'm going to, interestingly enough, I'm going to preach a sermon about winter. I know that's weird, and it sounds depressing on Mother's Day, but I promise you it's going to be good, good news, okay? So, so you have my word. Uh, uh, last week, I, Pastor Jimmy Evans preached here, and he did a phenomenal job, and, and um, he's, you know, an integral part of, of this church, and, and I was riding with him uh, to church last weekend, and he began to preach a message to me. You know, I may be your pastor, but every pastor needs a pastor. And he started preaching a message to me that ministered so much to me that I'm going to share pieces of it with you. And it became the genesis of what I want to share with you today. And I think it'll be a message that, that will um, really minister to you as, as it did me. Because even though we're in a spring, we know that right before spring is winter. And what I want to try to talk to you about today is that sometimes the harshest winters bring the greatest springs. 
And, um, you know, if, if, if I'm preaching today and this message isn't really nailing you, I've gotten several texts from the nine, like, that's the best sermon I've ever heard you preach. And then others, they're like, meh, it's okay. I think the reason for that is, is because um, when you're in winter, somebody that's in summer has a hard time relating with somebody in winter. Like Pastor Dale, I'm going to just rat him out. He's on vacation right now. He is laying on a beach in Mexico right now. Pastor Dale, if you're watching, we hate your guts right now. But I'm kidding. We love you. I um, uh, almost said something else, but I'm not going to. No, I just want to say it. Jesus loves you, so right now we don't have to, okay? So, um, no. But he's sitting on a beach right now, a beautiful beach. But if somebody in Canada called him and said, it's freezing to death here, we're miserable, he'd be like, uh, that's, that's great, man. Feel, I'll be praying for you, you know? So there's, there's an element of this message that it's going to hit some of you right between the eyes, and others, others of you, it's going to be like, meh, it's okay, it was all right. But, but I, I really believe God has this word um, impressed on my heart to share with those of you who are going through a winter to realize the goodness of winter, okay? So if you have your Bibles, go with me to the book of Acts. Book of Acts, chapter 1, and I'm going to read verses 3 through 7. I'm going to read out of the Passion Translation. And if you want to, if you have your paper Bible, if you want to open to Acts chapter 1 and, and put a plug in it and flip over to Psalm, Psalm 74, I'm going to go there in just a second, okay? For some of you that are like, like control freaks and like to get ahead, Okay. I'm kidding. Okay, here we go. Acts chapter 1, verse 3. It says, After the suffering on his cross, Jesus appeared alive many times to these same apostles over a 40-day period, providing to them with many convincing signs that he had been resurrected. And during these encounters, he taught them the truths of God's kingdom. Jesus instructed them, Don't leave Jerusalem, but wait here until you receive the gift I told you about and the gift the Father has promised. For John baptized you in water, but in a few days from now, you will be baptized in the Holy Spirit. And so Jesus has suffered from the cross. He's been resurrected, and he's just chilling. He's hanging out. He's walking through walls. He's doing all kinds of cool stuff. He's appearing to them, and they're in this in-between season. And the, the, the winter of the cross is behind, and the spring of the resurrection is before them. And interestingly enough, um, we're in that same time, literally, between the, the resurrection and Pentecost Sunday. Pentecost Sunday is in a couple of weeks on May 23rd. And so this time that we're living would have been that time, those 40 days after the resurrection, that Jesus would have just been hanging out, chilling, walking with them, um, and, and hanging out. So this is the, the setting that, that we find ourselves in, and this is this in-between, they're in-between seasons, is the point. Verse 6, every time they were gathered together, they asked Jesus, Lord, is it now the time for you to free Israel and restore our kingdom? Like they're, they're, they're like the kids in the back seat on the trip. Are we there yet? Are we there yet? Are we there yet? It says every single time Jesus met with them, his disciples would be like, is it time yet? Is it time yet? Is it time yet? Is it time yet? And Jesus says to them in verse 7, he answered, the Father, this is where I want you to lean in, the Father is the one who sets the fixed dates and times of their fulfillment, and you are not permitted to know the timing of all that he has prepared by his own authority. Jesus was telling them, only the Father wears that Apple watch. He's the only one that knows the time. He's the only one that understands the seasons and the times and the things that we're concerned about. And they wanted Jesus to do one thing. They expected Jesus to usher in spring and freedom and fight a battle and a campaign for them. 
because they sensed that they were in a winter. And so all they were asking Jesus is, is it time yet? Is it time yet? Can we get done with this winter season? Can we go into spring? Can we do what you're expecting, what we're expecting you to do? And Jesus said, only the Father knows these fixed times for which you're desiring. In Psalm, go over to that, that passage in Psalm, Psalm 74. Psalm 74, 16 says, you own the day and the night and sunlight and starlight call you creator. The four corners of the earth were formed by your hand and every changing season owes its beauty to you. It's saying that every season has a beauty. Every season has a beauty. And when you're in winter season, it has, it's really difficult to, to see any sort of beauty when you're going through a winter season. But I came today, I want to talk to you. You've heard, of the, you've heard the phrase before, there is no I in team, right? Uh, yeah, but there is a me in team, by the way. But, but there's no I in team. Uh, I'm here to tell you today, it's the title of my message, that there is a win in winter. The winter season that you find yourself in, I want to show you some wins in winter, all right? So, Father, we come before you right now. Uh, we're open-minded, we're open-hearted, we're open-handed. And we say, come and speak to us, Father. I pray blessings over every mother uh, under the sound of my voice, God. May you bless them. May you give them energy to be a mom. May you help them in every lack, every, uh, every circumstance, every issue of their life where they feel like they're falling short. God, may they today come to the realization that they are daughters to a loving father. And they rest in, in that fathership, in that, in that daughtership, God. And I pray blessings over them. We give you this day in Jesus' name. Amen. So if you remember, um, a few months ago, we were in winter. And in February, in fact, we had one of the coldest winters we've ever experienced. One of the coldest storms ever. It got well below zero down into the major negatives. And if you were trying to send your kids outside, we would, our kids would want to go outside and play in the snow. But they couldn't stay out there very long because it was so cold. It was actually cold enough to be dangerous. And winter is like this. Winter is the time where humans go indoors, right? Uh, winter is the time where animals go into hibernation. Winter is a time when the leaves fall and everything seems desolate. Everything from the surface seems dead. Everything is dormant. It's in, it's in hibernation. Uh, I found one author that said, um, all of life seems to go into a suspended animation, like spring, we're, we're witnessing the animation of earth right now. It's fruitfulness and leaves and growth and your flower beds are exploding with weeds and plants. <laughs> it's, it's animated. And, and you know, I, there's this beautiful parallel here that is, is many times through scripture, it takes the seasons that our earth experiences and it correlates them to the seasons that we experience as human beings. And the seasons and the cycles of the seasons of our humanity and the cycles of seasons of our spirituality and our growth and seasons of our life. And if, you, if you've ever been in a winter or you find yourself in a winter now, you can, you can relate really easily to this idea of hibernation and isolation and dormant and everything seems silent and everything in your life seems like you're not going anywhere. And if you're in a really dark season, even God seems dormant. Even God seems inactive in your life and your prayers hit the ceiling and, and fall back down. But today I want to talk to you. And one of the reasons I felt impressed to talk to you, you're like, why on Mother's Day, John, of all days? I felt really impressed, you know, although we're in spring, we as, we as mankind are coming out of a very dark winter, very difficult winter. 
Some might even say a nuclear winter. I mean, just a really crazy season. And raising kids, is, it's a difficult time to raise kids. And for the moms in the room, you're, you're, you're in a really difficult season. Maybe raising kids in an environment that nobody else has ever had to do this before in the history of mankind with technology, with our, our culture eroding and all the things happening. Michelle got a text from one of her mom friends the other day that literally said she's at the end of her rope. She is completely and utterly drained. And so, although, you know, I, I, want, I felt impressed to, to, to preach this message on Mother's Day, but it's, it's applicable to all of us, any of us that have gone through a winter. So I want, well, here's what I want to do today. I'm going to cover four wins in your spiritual winter, okay? Four wins that we can take with us out of winter, because I want to show you why God sends it, and sometimes why God sends it or he allows it, a winter, a winter season, and how, how to begin to see a purpose in it. And so the first thing, if you're taking notes, I want to just give you four things about winter that we can find a win in. The first thing is winter kills bugs. Can I get an amen? Michelle hates spiders. She loathes uh, spiders with every fiber of her being. And every spider is the biggest spider she's ever seen. And she does that mom thing. Only moms can do the, (gasps) you know, like, I don't know how you I I, I have to cough after doing that, but... She scares me to death when we're driving because she's, oh, I'm like, what? She's like, oh, I saw a cat. I'm like, I almost wrecked and killed all of us because of your sudden inhale of oxygen. But she's like that with spiders. We had a, a pest control person come over to the house the other day to spray. This guy told me he's been in pest control since the early 70s. And he told me that this is the, the uh, I don't know if it's bad for him, it's good for us. He said, this is the slowest my business has ever been since the early 1970s. And I said, why is that? Because there's not very many bugs. I said, why is that? He said, because the temperatures got so cold that it killed the bugs at their source. That the larva, I don't know if you're clapping for literal reasons or spiritual reasons, but either way is applicable, okay? He said that the, the soil got so cold deeper down that it penetrated the soil and killed the larva down at, at its source. And so we're not seeing near the infestation uh, of, of bugs in the season. And what he was basically saying was, and I want you to see the correlation, make, make this correlation into your own life. He said, what was meant to hatch in the spring and be a pest got killed out by the extreme of what we had to endure. So we all endured a really, really really cold season some of you your pipes burst some of you your, your your school was canceled you couldn't go to work whatever inconveniences that you had he said but something that was supposed to come out and manifest in the spring and become a pest to you was killed because we endured something that we didn't really ask for or want to endure and and many times i believe that god leads us or allows us to go through winter seasons in our life because what he wants to do is he wants to expose some things that have been planted deep in your heart that only winter seasons will expose. Only winter seasons will push us close enough to the heart of the Father that the Holy Spirit will begin to speak to us and expose things in us that need to be dealt with so that when spring comes and you begin to produce fruit, your fruit is not invaded by pests. You know, you, you can kill bugs a couple of different ways. In springtime, we call out pest control, and they put out pesticides. Or you can do this. 
and you can stomp them or swat them one at a time, right? This takes a lot of work, and it takes money, and it takes resources to, for you to kill these bugs off one at a time. What a really harsh winter does is it does in one swoop what would take you all summer long to kill. And so there is a win in winter. And as I begin to think back through this, even through seasons of my life where I've gone through some of the darkest times or hardest times or coldest times, spiritually, emotionally, mentally, I begin to see as I even reflected back on those times that God was doing a work in me. And I want to show you this in John chapter 15, verse 8. It says, this is to my Father's glory that you bear much fruit. So his, the, the Father's desire to us is that we would bear fruit. But the only problem with this is when spring comes and fruit begins to come forth, as the fruit grows, so does the pest, pest population. And the pest population is attracted to fruit. And the enemy works like this. When you begin to produce fruit, the enemy is attracted to the fruit that you're producing. And many times a harsh winter will actually defeat the enemy. When the fruit comes, there is no enemy to devour it. The deep freeze of your winter season is not God's punishment. Okay? And it's not God's rejection either. It's preparation. He's, 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 he's doing something in you so that when you produce fruit, the enemy can't devour it. And let me give you some examples. As, as I begin to reflect back on my life, um, the winters of my li life taught me that worrying did no good. The winter seasons of my life taught me that worrying is fruitless. And if I will simply as scriptures say, that if I will worry about nothing and pray about everything, the winter season is what taught me to pray, not worry. The winter season is, is what taught me to not have anxiety, but to have peace. It was the winter that showed those things to me. It's, it's the winter seasons that taught me how to forgive. Um, in fact, one of, the, one of the really difficult seasons of my life is when I discovered this subject of rejection. And, and God did a work in me on, reject, on the seeds of rejection and how every day, you've heard me preach this sermon, I won't re-preach it, but how we receive rejection from spouses or, or family or friends or, or bosses and the seed that takes place and we become bitter and angry and unforgiveness takes root. God began to do a work in me through the idea of rejection so much so that I ended up writing a book on it. All of this came forth because of a winter. There was a win in that winter because now I can see rejection from far off and fight it off before it gets to me. Um, winters of finances taught me how to be a good steward. The winter of shortfall in finances actually is what develops the discipline in you so that when the fruitfulness of, of financial blessing comes, it doesn't get devoured because now you have learned how to be a good steward of your finances. You see what I'm saying? You see how winter can actually be a win in your life if you allow it to be, and, and what meant to come and, and feast on your fruit gets devoured in the winter. And in fact, I would say to you, sometimes you need to send yourself into a winter. You're like, well, how do I do that? Did you know that when you, when you dedicate yourself to fasting, what you're saying is, I'm going to press in and I'm going to starve myself. I'm going to create my own winter season in my life to allow God to expose the bugs in me so that when spring comes and the next season of my life comes, I've eradicated, I've, I've gotten rid of anything in me that could hold me back or feast on my fruit of tomorrow. You see what I'm saying? So there, this, is a, this is an element of winter that if you will see it for the right way, if you will say to the Lord, Lord, I, I'm, I am desolate right now. I feel... I feel like I'm alone. I feel there's something God is trying to teach you in this season. 
He may be trying to teach you to just rest in, in the fact that you're a son or a daughter of a, of a loving father and, and to, to, to rely upon him. I don't know what he's trying to teach you during the season, but if you'll look close enough, he's trying to teach you something. The second benefit of winter, write this down if you're taking notes. Winter distinguishes the annuals from the perennials. You know, you know the difference, right? An annual is a plant that dies every winter and you've got to replant it in the spring. And a perennial is something that when winter comes, it appears dead. The annual and the perennial in winter look the same. The only difference is that the perennial will return. In fact, not only will it return, it will return bigger and better and stronger. And it will produce more fruit after the winter than it produced before the fruit. If you've ever planted a hosta, you know how you can tell if a hosta or, or a hydrangea or a plant like that, aren't you proud of me that I know the word, those words? <laughs> Michelle has taught me well. You can tell how old one of those is by how big it is because it's weathered many storms. It's weathered the winters and it's come back even stronger. And Michelle and I, I'm just saying, we love perennials. We don't buy no annuals up in here because if I'm spending money on something, I don't want the stupid thing to die and I got to replace it the next year. I want it to be something that comes back over and over and over again. So the perennials stay into the next growth season. Okay. So what's the point of this for me? It's fair, this is how you begin to decipher in your life who is a perennial in your life and who's an annual in your life. And I'm not saying the annuals are evil. I'm just saying that there are seasons where people come into your life. This is applicable to dating, y'all. If you're, if you're single and you're dating right now, don't waste your time with annuals. I'm just saying. You need to find you a perennial. Because guess what? In your relationship, winter is coming. Would you like your relationship to weather the winter? And on the backside of winter, you're actually better and stronger and producing more fruit? How do you know when, you're, how do you know when you have a healthy marriage? On the backside of winter, you're better than you were on the front side of winter. You're growing. You're producing more fruit. You're becoming stronger. It doesn't mean that everything has been great and spring and summer all the time. Yeah, you've been through winter. It's been hard. But you weathered the winter and you, you stayed. This is applicable to your business. This is applicable to any relationships. This is applicable to leadership. If people leave your organization, you just need to trust that God has, has that, that that was an annual. And that's okay. Annuals are beautiful, aren't they? There's nothing wrong with an annual. But the perennials are going to be those ones that, that last a long time. So in the good times, in, this is the difference. In the good times, it's really hard to tell them apart. You have to be an expert to know that's a perennial, that's an annual. I, I have no idea. If it's green, I'm like, it's pretty. I like it. I don't know if it's a perennial until after winter. So, so see winter in this way as a win. Winter helps you decipher what things in your life are going to be for the long term and what things are going to be for the short, short term. David, I want to show you how this, how this manifested in David. Now, we've all heard of David's mighty men, right? These warriors, these amazing, amazing warriors who, who, who he led into battle and they conquered. I mean, you've heard sermons on this. They're the heroes. They're, they're amazing. I want to show you how he found them in winter. In 1 Samuel chapter 22, verse 1, David is on the run from Saul. And it says that David left Gath and escaped to the cave of, cave of Adullam. He's in despair. He's alone. He's abandoned. He is in the middle of winter. Everything on the surface seems as though his calling, his destiny to be king is dead. He's, in a, he's hiding out in caves. 
in fact. And it goes on to tell us what happens in winter. When his brothers and his father's household heard about it, they went down to him there. They came to his winter. Who comes to you in your winter? That's a perennial. That's a perennial. And then we see what happens is verse 2. All those who were in distress or in debt or in discontent gathered around him, and he became their commander. About 400 men were with him. David found his perennials in winter, and so will you. So will you. This is a win for us. This is something that God shows us and uses. Winter reveals stuff, okay? Winter reveals. This is what winter does. Winter, win, winter cuts out, shows who's weak and who's strong. Winter reveals hearts. That's what winter reveals. It'll expose the motives of our hearts. Winter's, winter, there's four things. Winter will reveal our hearts. Number two, winter reveals faith. Winter will, will reveal your faith and the faith of those around you. Winter, winter reveals loyalty. Uh, winter reveals leadership. It's easy to lead in summer, y'all. It's not that hard to go and pick apples off a tree. I want to know who, who fertilized that tree, who coddled that tree, who turned the soil, who made sure that, that that apple tree weathered the harsh winters when it was a young, young, young tree. It's not hard to lead when there's fruit on the tree. So it helps us decipher who to follow, who do I lead, who do I let close to me, who do I let close to my kids, who do I let close in? The Bible says that, that you'll tell, you'll tell a, 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 a tree by its fruit. A bad tree, a bad tree produces bad fruit, and a good tree produces good fruit. So, so winter helps us and reveals these things to us. Winter will identify the future generals in your army. Okay? So in this way, winter, winter is a win. Number three, if you're taking notes. This is, this is a fun one. Okay? Winter season is pruning season. Do you know why winter seems harsh? Because you're being cut. <laughs> you're, you're getting cut. We, uh, we have this Japanese maple tree in our backyard that uh, right now it looks like a bush. And I don't think they're supposed to look like bushes. They're supposed to look like a tree kind of. And so I'm like, I got to prune this thing. And I just started researching it a couple weeks ago. And so I started looking this thing up and studying it. And it says like all bold, all caps, underline, do not prune this thing in spring. This thing is best pruned in winter when there's less life flowing through its branches. If you prune this thing in spring, you could actually do more harm than good. So what does it show us? It shows that many times winter feels like winter because God's doing a work in us. Let me, let me show you this in, in, in Scripture, John chapter 15, verse 2. It says, He cuts off every branch in me that bears no fruit, while every branch that does bear fruit He prunes so that it will be even more fruitful. So both are good, right? If, if there's something in me that's not bearing fruit, like if there's a dead limb in my life, it needs to be cut off so that that can go into other parts of me and produce fruit. It, but it also says that it, even the things that do produce fruit, God will prune. He'll cut it back. Some things he cuts off and some things he cuts back. The bad news is, is that either way, you get cut right? Either way, it, it feels like winter, but the good news is, is that God's doing a work in us so that, let me put that, put that verse back up there for me, verse 2, look at the end of it, so that it will be even more fruitful. It's good news. There's a win 
That's a win in the winter. So if you do bear fruit, you get pruned. If you don't bear fruit, you get cut off. Either way, you get cut. But God's doing a work in us. So let me show you these two words. Cut off in the Greek means to take from among the living. <laughs> that means to be, it's getting chopped. Now, pruned means to cleanse of filth or impurity. Okay? I would rather be cut back than cut off. So my heart during winter is, God, I'm going to find a win in this because spring's coming, fruit is coming, and I want to produce as much fruit as I possibly can in spring. So God, if there's some things that you need to cut away and prune, I trust you with the scalpel. The, this, this story starts in chapter, two, in chapter 15 in verse 1. It, it says that the father is the gardener. The question that comes down to in, in our winter season is, do we trust the gardener? Do we trust the gardener with, with, with the scissors to come and, and to cut things away? And what, what is he doing? So what is our response? What is our response in winter when we sense like we're being cut? Our response is in the same story in verse 4. He says, this is your response. This is your response, how you should respond when you feel like you're being cut. He says, remain in me as I also remain in you. And no branch can bear fruit by itself. It must remain in the vine. And neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear fruit. You will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. Guys, cutting hurts, but you must remain. Remain stay in the vine in the winter what is our duty what is our calling what is the thing we must lean into and pursue more than anything else when we sense that things are gone we must remain uh, the part of the reason that we feel like we're constantly in winter is because every time we sense any kind of cold weather in our life we just uproot ourselves and try to find some warmer soil somewhere and we plant ourselves over here well maybe this church is better over here i'll just try this one plant this relationship isn't working. This marriage isn't working. This job isn't working. It's just not working. I'm, gonna, I'm just going to replant myself. Jesus' instruction to us is when winter comes, trust the fact that something is happening beneath the soil. All you see is above the soil. Isn't winter ugly? Isn't winter like depressing? It's, it's just like, it's, but the coolest thing, some, some research, I research this and some say, some, many believe in certain plants that in the winter, the roots grow more than they do in the summer. That below the surface, below the surface, God's doing a work in us, in our hearts, that's going to allow us to be more fruitful and to be larger on the outside. Uh, I just got done trimming a bunch of trees uh, in our yard because spring is here and they're just sprouting everywhere and there's limbs everywhere and I need to go in and I can tell if something's dead. If it's dead, I cut it off, okay? If it's causing something to droop, I trim it back. I, I begin to prune. I begin to, to shape. I begin to move things around because I know that this is part of the process. But the good thing is, you know why the tree is growing? It's because during the winter, its roots grew further. And when its roots grew further, it could, it could sustain more weight on the outside. So in the winter season, if you will just remain, Jesus says, just remain, remain in me, remain in the vine. I'm doing a work. Stay. Don't leave. I'm doing a work. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. Stay planted. Roots grow deep. 
Roots grow deep in the winter, and there's new growth in the spring. So we stay planted. So your new height in the spring is dependent upon your new depth in the winter. Okay? So remain in the winter. Yeah, but what if I don't feel it? What if I just don't feel, I just don't feel good, John? Remain. Uh, what if I read my Bible and it just nothing pops out at me? Keep reading. Remain. What if my marriage feels dry? What if, what if we try and nothing seems to be working? Remain. Remain. What if, what if my job and I'm just miserable and I want to stab my boss? No, if you have that big of an issue, see a counselor, okay? But, but you, you, you just, you're miserable at work and you're just, God, please, 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 please. My, my, my advice to you is to remain in the Lord. Remain in the Lord. Remain tied to him. He promises us, this is such a clear promise, if you remain in me, you will bear fruit. This is a promise. Because the temptation is when we go through a winter, the temptation is to remove ourselves. It's, this is cold, I'm miserable. God, this is your fault. Winter produces whining and weakness. It just does. It, it produces whining and weakness. And our temptation is to stop going to church, to stop reading the Bible, to stop pursuing the Lord. And, and his, his plea to us is just remain, just stay. Just stay in me, remain in me, and everything's going to be okay. okay? You're going to produce more fruit. Ecclesiastes 3 1 says, There is a time for everything and a season for every activity under the sun. This is Solomon, the wisest guy, not a wise guy, the wisest guy, okay? That, that was a stupid dad joke. I shouldn't have said that. That ever walked the face of the earth. It goes on to say there's a time to, there's a time to plant, there's a, there's a time to, to sow, there's a time to die, there's a time to be born, all these different things. And he goes 10 verses down. And then in verse 11, he makes this statement. He, being God, he has made everything beautiful in its time. Is it possible that winter could be beautiful? Is it possible that there is a win in winter? That lurking somewhere below the surface of the cold and the loneliness and the dreariness and the below sub-level free freezing temperatures, that feet down in the soil of your heart, God is doing a work? and something is growing, and you're learning how to forgive, and you're learning how to let things go, and you're learning how to have peace instead of fear, and you're learning how to not be anxious, and winter draws us close to the heart of the Father, and we're growing on the inside before we ever produce fruit on the outside. It is possible. It is possible that God is using this season of your life to prepare you for something greater. The fourth and final thing is this. Winter forces a change in wardrobe. It, you just have to. In, in summer, you can kind of get by with whatever you want. You can wear whatever, as little as you want. You should, I mean, Lord help us. People need to put more clothes on. Can I get an amen? I mean, some is like, okay, we're not going to go there. But summer, you can kind of get away with whatever. You tank top, flip-flops, you're good. In winter, you must layer. You're forced to. If you try to walk outside in winter, dressed like you were going on vacation, you'd freeze to death, and it wouldn't take you too long to be like, this is stupid. I'm going back inside. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to put on more clothes. It forces us to. It, it, it's time to put on more layers. And the point is that spiritual winter, the spiritual winter causes us to need to expand our spiritual wardrobe. Sometimes spiritually, relationally, we try to weather winter dressed like summer. And then we wonder why we're dying. 
We wonder why we're struggling so much in the winter seasons of our life. Well, we haven't come spiritually clothed away to weather the winter. And so I want to show you two quick things in this regard, and we'll wrap this up. The first thing, two things I must discipline myself to wear. This will not, this will not come on you by itself. Okay? These two wardrobes that I'm about to give you for winter, they don't magically just jump out of the closet and jump on you. These are things that we must discipline ourselves to, to put on. The first one is this. You must put on the garment of praise. Yeah. 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 This is something that, that I promise you you will not feel like doing this. It will be the last thing in your mind that you will want to do when you're in a really, really dark winter is to praise God. You actually feel like doing the opposite. You feel like removing yourself from the vine. You feel like not going to church. You, you feel like not praying. But this, this is such a, an important principle. I want to show this to you. Um, in the book of Isaiah, there's this messianic prophecy. We, we shared it several weeks ago in a sermon. And, and it's, it's prophesying the coming Messiah. In fact, in the Gospels, Jesus would sit at the synagogue and he would read the scroll and they would pass him the scroll and he would unroll the scroll and he would read this text that I'm about to read you. And he was giving a self-fulfilling prophecy. He's saying, I'm here, I'm here. And, and, and it picks up in verse two. I'm picking it up kind of mid-sentence. And this is, he's saying, this is what I'm here to do. To proclaim the year of the Lord's favor and the day of vengeance of our God. To comfort all who mourn and to provide for those who, who grieve in Zion. To bestow on them a crown of beauty instead of ashes. There's three things. Crown of beauty instead of ashes. Oil of joy instead of mourning. And the third one, a garment of praise instead of a spirit of despair. So Jesus comes to give us this exchange. It doesn't say that we put on a garment of praise because I'm so happy. This says I put on a garment of praise because I'm in despair. I, I can actually make this exchange if I will discipline myself. Jesus came so that I could actually be full of worship and, and, and gratitude to, a Lord, to the Lord, even in the middle of my harshest of winters. It's easy to go outside and dance in spring in the flowers. <laughs> Anybody can do that. The Lord tells us we can actually put on a garment of praise in the middle of winter. If you find yourself, this is how you know when you need to worship, okay? If you find yourself in self-pity, it's time to worship, okay? Uh, if, if you find yourself uh, being negative in any way, shape, or form, if you find yourself doing the whole, you know, prayer request thing, but it's really just gossip, <laughs> we should really be praying for so-and-so, if, if, you're, if you're murmuring, if you're negative, these are all just indicators that we need to begin to come to the Lord in worship. And we got to put it on, y'all. My, when my kids are leaving the house and it's 10 degrees outside, they, we have to tell them to put their coat on. Like the coat just doesn't pull a Harry Potter and magically jump out of the closet and dance over. And, and you got to put this on. You will have to discipline yourself to put this thing on. It is, it is a discipline. Um, uh, Psalm 34, verse 1, watch what this says. This is David in his winter. He wrote this, I will bless the Lord at all times. His praise will continually be in my mouth. He's saying, even when I don't feel like it, I'm going to do it all the time. Not sometimes, not when it's convenient, not when I feel like it. I'm going to do it at all times. Uh, how do I do this? You do it anyhow. Okay, that means two things. Anyhow. Anyway, you can give through your worship. You can give through your mouth. I mean, you can worship through your giving. You can worship through your mouth. You can worship with your hands. 
You can worship by encouraging someone. You can worship by falling to your knees. You can worship anyhow. And this is another way you should worship. You should worship anyhow. But I don't feel like it. Do it anyhow. It's not convenient. Do it anyhow. Do it anyhow, anyway. Any way that you can muster it up, do it. It's like when you go to a, um, you know, if you, if you get an invitation to a wedding or to a banquet, um, you get an invitation and it tells you how to dress, right? And I've always got my fingers crossed that it's not formal. I'm like, please don't be formal. Uh, I'm doing a wedding for some close friends of mine in a couple of weeks and I asked them, in fact, today, I said, what's the dress code? And they said, oh, you can wear what you got on right now. I was like, this is my favorite wedding ever. So you know, if it's formal, you got to dress up. If it's business casual or if it's casual, the Lord would say the dress code of winter is a garment of praise. If you want to weather the winter with me, the Lord would say, if you want to weather this winter with me, put on a garment of praise and let's do it together. The second thing you need to wear through winter is the full armor of God. The full armor of God. And I think it's funny that Paul wrote it this way, and it's no, you know, it's obvious that it wasn't a mistake. He didn't say the half armor of God. (laughs) He didn't say a quarter of the armor armor of God. He made a distinctness to say the full armor of God. And if you ever want to study this in depth, you can go to, to Genesis chapter 6. I'll read a portion of it. Genesis 6, 10 says, Finally, be strong in the Lord and in the mighty power. Put on. There it is again. He's like, it's not going to do it itself. Paul is saying, you got to do it. you got to put it on. The full armor of God so that you can stand, take your stand against the devil's schemes. For the struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, authorities, uh, uh, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms therefore put on the full armor of god if you want to weather the winter you must put this on you must put this on and and you know pastor jimmy was preaching this message to me much of the sermon came from the deposits that he was planting in me and i'm just kind of regurgitating some of this back to you but one of the things that he stuck out to me that was so strong to me, I, I wrote it down instantly while he was talking. He said this to me. He said, winter is God's wake-up call for his naked soldiers to suit up. When, when you feel the slightest tinge in your spiritual walk, in your life, in your marriage, in your, in your finances, in your business, in any aspect, in any area of your life, when you begin to feel that cold front coming through, now, come on, we're from Oklahoma. We know all about cold fronts. When you sense the cold front coming through, it's time to level up. <laughs> it's, time, it's time to layer. It's, it's time to put on a garment of praise, and it's time to, to put on the full armor of God. Would you stand to your feet with me, OKC, Edmund, those of you watching online? If you want to, you can stand up in your living room. I, I want to I pray something over you. Before I do, I want to ask you to bow your heads and close your eyes for just one second here in at Edmond. And I want to get a response because I want to know who I'm praying for. But if you're here today and you sense that you're just kind of in a, in a winter season, I don't care if it's May. If, if you sense winter in your life, and I, it doesn't matter what area, it could be a relationship, it could be your finances, it could be your health, it could be your physical health, it could be uh, your emotions are just getting the best of you. Maybe you're having anxiety attacks or I don't, I don't know what it is, but there's something that just feels like winter to you. We just shoot your hand up and say, that's me. Amen. Hands everywhere. Hands everywhere. I know 
Edmund is the same. I want to pray for you, and I want to pray, and I want you to close your eyes, because I want you to picture these, these things that you're putting on, and then I'm just going to pray for you, okay? So, Father, we come to you, uh, many of us weary, cold, lonely, everything that winter seasons bring, many of us are coming with that stature today. So, Father, we're thankful, one, that you tell us uh, this truth that even in the winter that there's a win. And so I pray that we would even be encouraged today to know that spring is just around the corner, that fruitfulness is just around the corner. We're going to be more fruitful. We're going to be, we're, there's going to be a, a larger multiplication of fruit in our lives than, that, than we've ever experienced in our life for our marriages, for our finances, for our businesses, for our careers, for our relationships with you to be more fruitful than they ever have been. And so, God, what we're saying is if there's something in this winter that you're trying to do, if you're trying to kill some bugs in me, let's get rid of them, God. If there's some annuals in me that need to die out so that the perennials can come back in the spring, God, expose those. Show me. Show me what those things are, God. Use this season of my life to teach and train and equip and prepare. If you need to prune some stuff in me, God, cut away. Cut it away. If there's, if there's dead stuff in me, God, chop it off. If there's stuff in me that's pretty good, but if you would prune it, it would be even more fruitful. God, I invite you to, to begin cutting. God, I pray that we would have the strength to level up. God, that we would have the strength to, to clothe ourselves with the garment of praise, Lord. Even now, God, we worship you. We just thank you. We thank you that you're the God who redeems. You're the God who heals. You're the God who restores. You're the God who, who is our provider. You're the, everything we could ever need. You're worthy of our praise. We bring you this worship in winter. And God, now we place upon ourselves the belt of truth. We put it on first. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And so I put that on first, God. Jesus, you are the only way. You are the only truth. We receive you today. God, we place on a, bless, a breastplate of righteousness. This, this breastplate protects our heart. It protects our vital organs. And this, this breastplate simply means that I am in right standing with God. I am righteous, not because of anything I've done, but because of your son and how Jesus died on a cross for me. I am in right standing with the Father. I am a son. You are a daughter of God. You are in the family of the living God. And we need to be reminded of that, Father. So we put on the breastplate of righteousness. There is now no condemnation. We can weather winter because we know that we're sons and daughters of a loving father. God, our feet are fitted with the readiness that comes with the gospel of peace. Our, foot, our footing is strong. Roman soldiers would put spikes on the bottoms of their shoes so that when they were in battle, they wouldn't fall. So that they could keep their ground, they could keep their footing. God, we want to remain standing. We want to fight for our families. We want to fight for our country. We want to fight for the values. We want to fight for your, but more than anything else, we want to fight for your kingdom, God. So may we remain steadfast. We, we, we pick up our shield of faith, Lord, to extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one. May we become more faithful. May we be more full of faith. May winter teach us to have more faith in you than in ourselves.
And God, we take the helmet of salvation. We put on the helmet of salvation, God, to guard our minds. Guard our minds. Guard our thoughts. Guard our emotions, God. Through your salvation, we're capable of doing that. And God, and last but not least, we pick up the sword of the Spirit. Because my goodness, what are we without that? If we go to the battlefield and we don't have a sword in our hand, we are nothing. And the Word of God is our sword, so may we dive into it in winter, God. May we dive headfirst into the Word of God, and may it spring forth, God. Do a new work in us through that, and may we use the sword of the Spirit in winter. We thank you, God, for using us. We thank you, God, for using winter for our benefit. It's a win. It's a win. We declare it. It's going to be a win. We thank you for it in Jesus' name. Thank you for joining us here today for this week's message. And here at Victory Church, we are called to equip people to live in His presence, move beyond ourselves, and be transformed. And this can only happen through your radical generosity, your serving, and your prayers. If this message or any of our messages have impacted your life and you would like to partner with us by giving into this ministry, you can do so by visiting our website at victory.church/give. Thank you again for joining us and have a great day.